Baby Got Backlog. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Baby Got Backlog. Uh, today is a special day. We're mixing it up. We have another solo pod hosted by just me, um, Andy, because unfortunately, Trevor's not feeling so hot today, um, and we still wanted to get an episode out to the feed, and uh, I always have weird things to teach the audience about and weird games that I've played that um, Trevor may never play or maybe just too weird to talk about the game in uh, other instances. So please buckle up um, and enjoy a chill episode. Just me, rocking it solo. Uh, today we're going to be playing as Bowser, which is super exciting because we're talking about Bowser's inside story, which is going to be great if you've never played it or never heard of it. Uh, I had never heard of it until somewhat recently, so I think you'll enjoy our little chat. So buckle up. It's Baby Got Backlog, pod solo style. Um, Before we get into the games, I just wanted to touch on some, some news briefly because me and Trevor normally get to break down the news. Um, So I'll talk about a little bit that happened this week. Uh, First up, Today, August 3rd, as of this recording, we had a little Pokemon Direct from Nintendo, which is exciting news for just about everyone on the planet, uh, Trevor and myself included. I'm sure Trevor will have a lot to say about um, what we saw. There were a lot of updates about sort of like peripheral, like Pokemon Go is having some events, I guess, and Pokemon Cafe and Pokemon Master. Does anyone know what Pokemon Masters even is? There's always an update about like, oh, it's Pokemon Master Master Campaign. I don't even know what it's called. It's like we get all these updates about other Pokemon games that I've never heard of, but apparently are huge. So if you're into Pokemon Go, follow those events. It's interesting stuff happening there. But um, the bulk of the presentation was about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, they showed a lot more gameplay. Um, they kind of showed a little bit more of the nuts and bolts. Uh, essentially, they pretty much confirmed. They were like, it's a big open world game. Go anywhere you want. Do anything in any order you want. Uh, they even pretty explicitly said that there are multiple campaigns. Like there's a, a regular gym battle campaign, like traditional Pokemon style. But there's also two other huge campaigns. And they're like, do them in whatever order you want. So that's cool. I mean, got a lot of choices there. That's big stuff for Pokemon. Uh, They also showed that the legendary Pokemon on the front of the box aren't so much legendary Pokemon like we've seen in the past, but they're bikes. Like, literally, they're bikes. (laughs) The, the The main way that you get around the open world is uh, by riding the two ride Pokemon, uh, the two legendary ride Pokemon featured on the cover art on the box. And by the way, I paused the recording to look up their names because I saw their names during the presents and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That has to be a joke. The two legendaries are named Co-Ridon and Me-Ridon <laughs> because they're literally bicycles. Um, One of them is sort of like a prehistoric dinosaur dude with, like, wheels on his chest. And the other one, like, seems like a futuristic sort of robot-y dragon guy. They They look pretty cool. It's just, like, it's just hilarious. Like, it's very campy and silly. I feel like they knew 
<laughs> how campy and silly it was. They named one of them Me Rhydon. <laughs> um, they also showed the uh, the new gimmick of this. One of the new gimmicks, sort of the gameplay, the battle gimmick, because in the past we've had Mega Evolutions and we had Gigantamax uh, and X and Z moves or whatever. Um, in this generation, I don't even remember what it's called. I just remember them showing it. Uh, the the Pokemon can kind of like gemify, where they have like a, a separate form where it looks like they're made of, of gems, like they're sort of translucent looking and they have other... Um, other like appendages growing out of them it's it's interesting but if i recall correctly they said all of the pokemon in these games uh do have some sort of gem form but they they like a lot some of them will change types when they change to their gem form so every pokemon has a has a separate gem type so for example um they showed that like uh, Pikachu, when he switches to gem type, might become flying type instead of electric, which is interesting, but that's not necessarily the case with all Pikachus, so you might catch, uh, I think they also showed Eevee, like there are different Eevees that when they transform into gem type, they might be normal, or they might be water, or whatever, um, which is, is fun, so that seems to be their little mega evolution, uh, combat, gimmick that they're putting into these games and it visually looks cool um i don't know it's interesting it definitely feels different than just the mega evolution let's get super overpowered pokemon get real big they'll get real strong that's kind of normally um what they do so that's pokemon um i'm sure everyone who's listening to this probably knows a little bit about it if you're listening to our show um but yeah exciting stuff to look forward to um, in other gaming news, Stray, which we talked about maybe a month ago um, before it came out, has officially become the biggest thing on the internet. Like everywhere you go on Reddit, there's like GIFs of Stray and people talking about how Stray is amazing, um, which is hilarious because Trevor said to me, oh, hey, isn't Stray coming out? And I was like, yeah, it's coming out on my birthday. And I got really excited. Um, and then I just haven't had time to go out and get it and play another game. Um, mostly because my life is consumed by playing Elden Ring and also playing Skyrim. Um, it's been a busy summer. Like, I've had a ton of music stuff. I'm recording a new album. I'm like busy, busy, busy. And every free moment I have where I'm at home and I'm sedentary, I'm like, I gotta play Elden Ring or I have to play Skyrim. And it's honestly, like, insane. Like, my life is jam-packed with these huge video games right now. And I, I'm enjoying them. But, um, good lord, do I have time for nothing else when I'm playing Skyrim for the show. By the way, speaking of which, we will have our follow-up episode to Breath of the Wild and Skyrim, uh, like we promised. Um, you know, just an update, because Trevor's not here. But please don't fret, we will continue to talk about both of those uh, games, and we will have a great time with it. Alright, so uh, let's officially jump in here. Um, so today, we're talking about a game called um, Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, which is a game that was released for the Nintendo DS in 2009. Um, but before we talk about it, 
which I promise I'm going to talk a lot about it, and hopefully you're going to really like it. Uh, hopefully, please, I really hope I really hope you like it. Enjoy the games. Um, before I talk about it, I did kind of just want to give um, a little background on the Super Mario RPG franchise. Because um, as I was looking up Bowser's Inside Story, I was like, how do I want to frame sort of the discussion of this game and, and what's important about it? And as I just started looking at all of the other uh, Super Mario RPG games, I was like, you know what? Let's just dive in and do the whole thing. Because um, it's an interesting franchise. Um, even if you know nothing about it, um, there's a ton to look at. So in 1996, for the Super Nintendo the SNES, as it's oft called, um, there was a game released called Super Mario RPG. Um, the way that Super Mario RPG came about is Nintendo was approached by Square Enix, or maybe Nintendo approached Square Enix. I'm not sure who initiated it. But Nintendo and Square Enix collaborated um, with the idea of what if Super Mario was like Final Fantasy uh, or Dragon Quest, or other RPG-style games, and Square Enix is, they were the company um, that made turn-based RPGs. So they sort of had this odd brainchild of what what would it look like if Mario was doing turn-based combat um, against kooky characters. And it's widely considered just like a huge success. People really love this game even to this day. Um, it's very often recommended as a game that has aged super well, um, which is maybe up for debate. I think it's a phenomenal game. I think it's really interesting. But just looking back at that history of um, what does it look like if you put Mario in a completely different gameplay situation? Um, and that sort of created this interesting formula because uh, Miyamoto, the guy who's known for Super Mario, um, he had all these ideas of making the game feel more athletic and feel more interactive. So, like, for example, the basic way that you play this style of RPG is uh, Mario has a few predetermined sets of moves like jump or hammer attacks, um, and Mario's little sprite will physically jump onto the enemies, and if you press the button at the correct time, you will do more damage. So even from the beginning, there was this element of timing in the turn-based battles, which it just feels more Mario. If you're going to put Mario in a turn-based setting, he should still be jumping and being athletic, and the player should still be um, interacting in a timing-based way, which was really interesting. Um, and it was a cult classic. People super loved it. Um, and from there, we get sort of these two branching paths of Mario RPGs from then in 1996. Um, on one side, you have the Paper Mario franchise, which I'll touch on uh, briefly. And then on the other side, you have the Mario and Luigi franchise. So basically to follow up Super Mario RPG, you had these two different teams that were like, cool, we're going to do that again. We're going to do it bigger. We're going to do it better. And we're going to do it um, in some different ways. So on the left, we have uh, Paper Mario released for the Nintendo 64, um, which was essentially the same concept gameplay wise, done a little bit deeper, done a little bit better, but with the aesthetic that everything is made out of paper. I don't, I think that might've just been because 
of the limitations of the Nintendo 64. They were like, what's an interesting art style we can pull off with this limited hardware? Um, which is cool, and it, it like the world has a lot of character and it looks really interesting and like because Mario's made of paper you get to do papery things to interact with the papery world it's fun um and then in 2004 the sequel to that game Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door was released uh for the GameCube which for people who love Mario RPGs a ton of people consider that to just be head and shoulders above the rest like the masterpiece of Mario RPGs. It's a really phenomenal game. I remember playing it in high school. But so what happens <clears throat> in 2004? At this moment, the Paper Mario team continues to make games, but they basically throw the turn-based RPG side of it a little bit out the window. And so from that moment on, up until now with Origami King, a lot of people don't really see those games the same way. There was a bit of a split in the way that they approached combat. So you have Super Paper Mario in 2007 for the Wii, which is just a platformer. Uh, then you have Sticker Star in 2012, and you have Paper Mario Color Splash in 2016, which were kind of turn-based, but they were more about like choosing cards and things or, or, and stickers, and I don't know. I've never played them. A lot of people really uh, don't like them. Um, then you have Origami King in 2020 for the Nintendo Switch, which I've been told is a great game, but again, it's not really turn-based combat the way that the original uh, Paper Mario was intended. Cool? So that's kind of one side of the branching path of the, of the fork in the road that happened after Super Mario RPG is the Paper Mario games, and there were only two of them that were really following the lineage, uh, you know, in, in the same way the original games were, like, in terms of gameplay. So on the other side, take the other road, um, and you have the Mario and Luigi franchise. The first game that came out is called Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which came out for the Game Boy Advance in 2003. And maybe you have nostalgia for this game. I remember playing it um, in fifth grade with all of my friends on my Game Boy. I have a ton of fond memories, um, which is, is just a really, really phenomenal game. And like I'll talk about how these games are a little bit different than the original RPG. Um, a couple years later, you have Partners in Time on 2005, uh, Bowser's Inside Story in 2009 for the DS, which is what we're talking about today, eventually. Please bear with me. Um, in 2013, you have Dream Team, and then in 2015, you have Paper Jam, um, which was the last Mario and Luigi game released, and I think likely will be, at least for a very long time. There's no talk of this franchise coming back. So basically, in the time, in the two timelines laid out, on the left, we have Paper Mario in 2000, and then the sequel to Paper Mario in 2004. And after that, the Paper Mario games were not doing the turn-based thing anymore. They were not making uh, Mario RPG games, in quotes, in sort of the traditional style that people really liked. However, Superstar Saga came out in 2003, and they kind of took the baton, and they carried it forward in a lot of great ways. So 2003, 2005, 2009, all the way up till 2015, the Mario and Luigi franchise is like the only thing carrying the Super Mario RPG name forward. Um, 
again, at least in the way that, that fans are really looking for it. Cool? Um, so in the Superstar Saga franchise, which is really what we're focusing on today, the thing that's really important, there's a bunch of things that are really important about it that make it um, stand out. So first of all, the world is is silly and hilarious, which is like the first thing that you'll notice as soon as you turn on any of these games is Mario and Luigi have really, really strong characters. Mario's a little bit more of a silent protagonist, but he's also like a goofy idiot. Um, and Luigi is just a straight-up coward. And I think in Superstar Saga, he's he doesn't even volunteer to go and save Princess Peach. Like, I think the characters are like, Mario, you'll go save Princess Peach. And he's like, Toto which is like how he talks in like silly Italian. And he like jumps up and he's like, okay, we'll do it. And then Luigi literally like turns around and he like tries to slowly walk away. And all the characters are like, Luigi, what are you doing? And then... I think he full-on runs away, and the only reason he is in the adventure is because Bowser's ship has this giant hand that reaches down and grabs Luigi <laughs> on, like, a runway as the ship is flying over and pulls him up into the ship. So these games just have a very silly and irreverent tone um, all of the time, which will be important as we get to Bowser's inside story. Um as well. There's just a lot of humor, a lot of really, really well-written humor that has aged well, um, too. The other thing about these games is, so you're primarily playing in like an overworld style, like a top-down, almost like a Zelda, and you're controlling Mario and you're controlling Luigi. So you have two characters that are walking side by side at all times. If you press A, Mario will jump, and if you press B, Luigi will jump. The whole game, like that's the whole, uh, concept at this time mario's with a luigi's with b and that's for everything so you get hammers um that you can use in the overworld to solve puzzles um a great example being like luigi will one of the abilities you get is if you press b with the hammer luigi is behind mario he will smash mario down into like a tiny pancake size and then mario can fit through smaller holes to get to new areas so there's all sorts of like fun puzzle solving and then they can like jump on top of each other to get higher jumps and get spin jumps to cross gaps um, but they really focused on this idea of if you're controlling two characters simultaneously one with each button um, and in the combat you get the same thing so you enter a battle uh, you jump on a Goomba with Mario which is cool because you get to jump on him to start the battle and do extra damage. On the left, you have Mario and you have Luigi. And on the right, you have three enemies or five enemies. Let's say they're like four Goombas. Um, so the entire structure of the game is you press A to use Mario and jump on the enemies. You want to time your attacks just like Super Mario RPG. When the enemies come to attack you... The Goomba will come in front of Mario and Luigi, and he will have a tell as to when he's going to attack, and he'll have a tell of which brother he's going to attack, which could be one of them, or it could be both. So the whole conceit of this game is as you're going, you're learning what the enemies are doing so that you can dodge their attacks, and if you dodge them in a certain way by like jumping on their head, you can even do damage to the enemies as well so like from the beginning 
in in theory and kind of in practice because speedrunners do this, you could play the entire game pretty realistically taking no damage or taking very, very little damage if you're playing the games um, intently. So they feel so much more like an interactive um, sort of action game than they do a turn-based game because you're not thinking about as much. You're not thinking, okay, I'm going to do this attack to power up my party and use this to heal my whole party and equip this... um, equipment to make my party stronger which there's a little bit of that but primarily what you're focused on is the action side of things dodging attacks and timing attacks um which is really really it it's just brilliant like it feels seamless and it feels natural and it feels like mario um and by the way you pretty much have to do this because i think most enemies will wreck a character if they hit a character like three or four times um so it's just great all of the bosses have all of these really creative odd designs and odd attacks like a boss might there might be like a star falling from the sky and like depending on what color the star is if it's a red star you have to dodge it with mario and if it's a green star you have to dodge it with luigi and they might throw like 10 stars at you in a row um in one attack so you might have to be like okay a a b b a b a a b b a and it's like happening really fast and you have to pay attention to which brother is dodging it's just such a great um, concept for a turn-based RPG, which they really nailed. Um, and again, this is in 2003. We're talking about Superstar Saga. Cool. They nailed that game. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's really fun. I would recommend to anybody right now, if you've never played it, is to like go find it cheap on eBay or something or at a local comic book store. It's just like a masterpiece, like a perfect, brilliant game. So, but as the franchise continued... They took the idea of controlling multiple characters with multiple buttons and said, how can we do that differently? And them expanding on the that idea is how we get Bowser's inside story, which is what makes it such a freaking like weird, bizarre game, like one of the weirdest games I've ever played. So 2005, we have Partners in Time. Uh, in Partners in Time, you control four characters, Mario with A, Luigi with B, Baby Mario with X and Baby Luigi with Y because there's some time travel shenanigans and Baby Mario and Baby Luigi end up in the same time as Mario and Luigi and so you're you're carrying the babies on your backs throughout the whole game like Mario and Luigi have little baby versions of themselves that they're like you know uh carrying around with them it's adorable and weird um but again it was just a fun way to say can we can we add more characters to this gameplay concept of everything at each button controlling one character um in the gameplay which is great so bowser's inside story we're finally here we made it they took that idea again and said okay we're going to have mario controlled with a luigi controlled with b but what if x and y controlled bowser which is like what it's honestly one of the ideas that like when you hear about it or when you see it you're like that's that's just so that's so insane like that's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard but it it's one of those ideas that's like oh that's just stupid enough that it could work um and I remember seeing the marketing for this game when I was a kid 
and just being like, there's, there's no way, there's no way I can, I can play that game. Like that's crazy. And by the way, just to rewind, um, I never played this game until maybe six or, or seven months ago. Um, I saw some video about, uh, all of this history of the, the Super Mario RPG franchise and all this stuff on New Year's Day, actually, of 2022, I remember seeing a small ant video, which, by the way, yeah, obviously, I watch weird stuff like that in my free time. It's very relaxing and chill. Um, and as I kind of was was revisiting these games as I was watching him talk about them, I was like, man, I never played Bowser's Inside Story, but it looks really delightful. And the rest of the games honestly look really delightful, too. Um, and one of my favorite things just personally, and I don't know why this is, is I love stumbling upon a game that's really old that for whatever reason just didn't stick in like the consciousness of like gamers, like a game that wasn't huge and popular that I, I don't know, at the time I didn't hear anybody talking about Bowser's Inside Story. I knew no one who played it. It wasn't like, oh, this is a great, phenomenal, critically acclaimed game. It kind of just you know, fell by the wayside, like it was swept under the rug a little. But I love when you come across a game that that's that was its reception when it was released, and you're like, oh man, what a hidden gem. Um, this is so exciting to play a game just from like a different time that's really, really great and doing really, really different things. So I got it pretty cheap um, a few months ago and played it, and I carried it in my back pocket all the way to this episode months later. So how what how and why are you controlling um Bowser? So <laughs> the, the central um the central plot of this game is this. Uh in Toad Town in the Mushroom Kingdom, um the toads are coming down with this horrible disease, you guessed it, called the Blorbs, which literally I think the game opens with a toad like the size of a house, like big and round and chonky, like rolling through his own house and destroying <laughs> the wall of his home. And his wife, who's like a normal sized toad, is like, oh, my God. And they're like freaking out. But all of the toads are suddenly afflicted with this mysterious disease called the Blorbs, which is the stupidest thing of all time. And it's hilarious. Um, and Mario and Luigi are summoned to the castle, and Princess Peach is trying to get to the bottom of it. And long story short, um, Bowser is tricked into eating this fruit that causes him to become basically a giant vacuum. And when he shows up to the castle, um, he ends up inhaling Mario and Luigi inadvertently. And their most of their story takes place inside of Bowser, um, inside of his intestinal track, hence Bowser's inside story. So Bowser's adventure takes place on the top screen of the DS. Um, you can punch with X and you can breathe fire with Y. Um, and Mario and Luigi are controlled on the bottom screen. Uh, same as other games, you can use A and B to jump with Mario and Luigi as well as use their hammers and all their other respective um, abilities. Though they're in a 2D side-scrolling uh, sort of adventure, like more like traditional Mario. But it's like, as you're playing it, you never stop to just be like, 
you just are always like, what is happening? Like, you, it never really sinks in the whole time you're kind of just in awe that you're like, oh, I guess, I guess Mario and Luigi are walking around inside of Bowser's intestines, I guess, for some reason. It, it's just like, feels insane. It, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, somebody at Nintendo pitched that. And you know everyone else in the room looked at him like, is that really what he said? And Miyamoto or someone higher up was like, that sounds great. We're going to do it. Start working on a prototype. Um, and that's like the entirety of how the story um, plays out. So Bowser, his story kind of goes all over the place. Like he kind of just ends up like wandering through the woods and until he stumbled. He does stumble into some story stuff where he ends up, um, you know, coming he ends up at odds with the real antagonist of the story um who is a character from the earlier franchises um and you know bowser's kind of he kind of has his own motivations like he's kind of a bumbling idiot as a villain he's kind of just like that guy stole my thing i'm gonna go beat him up and you're like yeah okay um and then it's kind of offset with sections where you're playing as mario and luigi inside um bowser um Mario and Luigi's combat is the same. You're dodging enemies, um, fighting them the same way that you would you would in other um, entries in the series. And Bowser is also fighting, but he's got like these big chonky enemies that just like they look amazing and they're they're huge like Bowser. Um, and you can punch to deflect their attacks. You can duck where Bowser's like spiky spikes on his back. Uh, you can breathe fire at them, and you can also inhale them, which is really fun. Um, one of the one of the most phenomenal things in this game that is so genius, and every time it happens, you go, "Oh my god, that's so awesome!" Is you'll be playing as Bowser, and there are some enemies that are small enough that you can inhale them. So you can choose to inhale the enemies, and all the enemies that are small enough will go inside Bowser. And they will shoot to the bottom screen where you will then fight them with Mario and Luigi, defeat them, and then go back to the combat on the top screen, which is just, it's bananas. Like, it's so cool. You're like, all right, I see some enemies. I'm going to fight them with Mario and Luigi inside of Bowser, suck them up, beat them, and then everybody gets experience, all three of them. Um, it's it's just so cool. Um, They also... They also inadvertently, well, they advertently help Bowser um, through his adventure. But the whole game, Bowser is interacting with this little star. It's like a Navi-style companion who's following Mario and Luigi around. But Bowser does not know that it's Mario and Luigi inside of him. So, for example, like, there's a lot of sections where, like, a house will fall on top of Bowser for whatever reason. And as he's getting crushed... Um, your little Navi companion will be like, oh, we need to go to his bicep and supercharge his muscles so that he, <laughs> so that he can throw this house off of him. Um, so that's literally what you do. You navigate to the biceps and then there's a little mini game with like stars floating around and you punch the stars and you shoot the stars and then Bowser's like, oh, I'm powered up. And like, that is so much of what you do in this game. It totally feels, um, just wacky and insane so just you know to reiterate we've expanded on controlling multiple characters um and now you're controlling multiple characters in different worlds 
Um, the combat has been expanded to now include Bowser, which feels really fun, but it also feels connected with Mario and Luigi's combat. Um, they often become the same combat, which is cool. I think there might even be one boss in the game where you like um, are fighting a boss with Bowser, but also fighting part of the boss with Mario and Luigi. Don't quote me on that, but that's super duper cool. And honestly, I just think the whole experience is such a, a unique and wonderful and weird package. Um, it's it's such a weird, interesting story. Like, it has all of these twists and turns, and at a certain point, Mario and Luigi can actually leave Bowser and re-exit through a pipe, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but every single fight in the whole game is super engaging. Um, it's super varied. There's tons of different mini-games. There's fun collectibles. Um... One of the main things you do as Bowser is if you think an enemy has like a little, they're like little cat TV robots, you can suck them out of enemies and return them to another character um, to power up Bowser and uh, power up your other attacks. The variety of combat is unbelievable. So another huge facet of the game is you have these um, these giant robo-style battles where, like I said, Mario and Luigi will power Bowser up, um, and there are portions of the game where Bowser will become the size of, of a castle, and the way that those fights uh, play out is you turn the Nintendo DS sideways, and the camera zooms way out, and Bowser is on the bottom screen on the left, and the enemies are on the screen on the right, and they're also giant Godzilla-sized. So it's kind of like a Godzilla-style battle, <laughs> with a Godzilla-sized Bowser. Um, and you have to use the touchscreen to, like, swipe to punch uh, enemy projectiles. You have to blow into the microphone on the DS to make Bowser breathe fire. Um, you have to time all of your attacks on the touchscreen. It's, it's just, like, it feels so cool. And it doesn't feel like... Because a lot of times if you play a Wii game or a Nintendo DS game... Sometimes the games feel developed like, well, it's got a touchscreen. We have to shoehorn the touchscreen in here. But it kind of feels like the developers said to themselves, what if we took all of the stuff that is in the Nintendo DS hardware, the microphone, the touchscreen, the dual screens, and made it really, really fun and interesting? Um, and turning the DS sideways and just fighting with a giant, chonky Bowser to breathe fireball, it's just like, it. it feels so cool. Like... It, it really does feel like you're getting everything out of the DS. Like, oh man, what a cool piece of hardware that I have um, in front of me. And the whole thing is paced like that. Like every time you feel like you're hitting a lull in the story or you know what's going on, there's like a crazy wrench thrown into it. Um, like you have to find Bowser's minions very often. It'll be like a cage full of Goombas and they'll be like, hey boss, you gotta come save us boss. But like they also are idiots and they betrayed him and they're like, oh yeah, we, we didn't, Fawful tricked us, he told us that we, and he's like, oh, shut up, you morons, I know you betrayed me, but he, like, saves him anyway. Um, but they become part of Bowser's arsenal, so his special super-powered moves just in regular combat is, like, a Goomba barrage, where, like, the you, you use the touchscreen to send a bunch of Goombas or send a bunch of Koopas. It's just, like... Everything is so wacky and over the top, and everything feels completely fun and unique. I can honestly say that there is not a single game 
like this at all, like even remotely that I've ever played. Um, so beyond the combat, just exploring the world is really, really fun and interesting. Uh, Bowser has like a top-down style um, world, which again feels a little bit like Zelda, but you have to punch things and move obstacles to other places and press switches. It, it almost has a bit of a Zelda dungeon feel to it, um, like the old school Zelda games, but it also f feels kind of like a Metroidvania because you will often get abilities that you can use in previous locations that you're like, oh, I couldn't access that before, and you have to go back with Bowser. And same with Mario and Luigi. Once they hit the point that they can exit Bowser, they also get to explore the world freely. So you get to go back and find secrets um, and find new areas with them. The world design is is just totally stellar because they bring you through in like a story style uh, and it feels super seamless and like a, a just a colorful, interesting world. And then later you're like, oh, hey, I have a lot of agency and there are things that I can find. Even with Mario and Luigi inside of Bowser, the way that they explore the world is it's so interesting, right? So here's what they do a ton of the time is you'll be playing as Mario and Luigi, but Bowser on the top screen um, will have a choice of things that he can do that will affect his insides. My favorite of which <laughs> is uh, later in the game, there is a boss that after you defeat him, um, is he's kind of like, what's the word? He, he's kind of like frozen in place and he's like tied up with ropes, but he's exhaling, um, exhaling like this ice, like you can see his breath exhaling ice. Um, sort of the opposite of Bowser. He's like the polar opposite. Instead of breathing fire, he breathes ice. But while Mario and Luigi are exploring um, on the bottom, you can switch to Bowser. And when you switch to Bowser, he will put his mouth on the vent of the ice breath, which will freeze all of the insides for Mario and Luigi. So you have to like be like, oh, hey, if he breathes in, then this platform will suddenly freeze. It won't be water anymore. It'll be frozen, and I can jump on it, and I need him to, like, unfreeze. So it's very, like, puzzly, and um, you're using Bowser up top to affect the environment that Mario and Luigi are traversing, which is just a fun gameplay concept in general, but it's it's pulled off even in a better way. Um, similar ways he might have to, like, he might have to find like a fountain of water and drink from the fountain of water, which will fill up his belly with water, um, stuff like that. I really feel like they thought they took that concept so far to the extreme um, with how can Bowser and Mario and Luigi all seamlessly interact in this weird universe we've created. So here's another thing I wanted to touch on as well. Um, I think these games in general are really great entry points for people who have never played RPGs because I myself have never really played a Final Fantasy. Um, I get into Dragon Quest, as we've talked about on the show. But um, those games can be a little bit esoteric, and they can be a little bit confusing, and in, in ways they can be kind of dry because you're kind of managing, like, numbers and damage output and, like, equipment and armor... Um, and all of these things that might not feel that gamey. But I feel like Nintendo has done such a good job of making these these concepts, these gameplay ideas, really accessible, like especially to a younger audience. I think there are tons of people who played Mario RPG games as their first, uh, you know, kind of 
getting their foot in the door with turn-based RPGs because everything is so accessible. Like, you have armor, but you kind of just put overalls on Mario. Um, you can level up, but when you level up, the game kind of does it for you, and you get to pick one stat that you boost. Um, there are badges which you can use to um, enhance your gameplay and make it a little bit more personal, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like an action game. One thing I think that this game does that I can't believe other turn-based RPGs don't do is this. I'm tired of not talking about it, all right? So, in lots of other turn-based RPGs, you have an area, you explore the area, it might take you an hour or two, at the end there's a boss, yada yada. You're going to fight a bunch of enemies throughout that, usually with random battles, um, and you might have to go back to those areas and grind them to get enough experience, um, and you're just going to fight a million and one billion enemies. These games do not do that. So in this game in particular, again, let's say you have an area. It's like the Wispy Woods. Ooh, and at the end, there's like a big flower boss. And he's a big giant. And he can breathe fire like Bowser. And uh, instead of exploring the area and having to backtrack a bunch and the world being littered with enemies, um, their approach is this. Um, as you explore and go from screen to screen in new areas... There might be two or three enemies in each screen. Um, and again, you can engage with the enemies. They're not random battles. You can punch them with Bowser or jump on them with Mario and Luigi to start the battle. Um, but there's like two or three in each screen. And they don't respawn. So if you have to go through 10 or 12 screens to explore the area you're in thoroughly, um, and you've defeated all of the enemies in them, A, they're gone. So if you're like, I want to go back to the first couple uh, areas and investigate that secret or redo a puzzle like that I messed up, you don't have to have the tedium of like running into 30 different enemies on the way. But also, they put just enough enemies in that area that you don't have to grind extras. Like if you've defeated all of the enemies that they put in front of you to get from A to B, or at least most of them, you should be at the level required to beat the boss. So it doesn't feel grindy or overwhelming in the way that a lot of RPGs do um which is it's just such a relief like it takes it kind of takes the weight off your shoulders a little bit in a game like this you kind of get to just go through um do your best in fighting the enemies again it's like very actiony and you're just like cool I'm going through I'm beating dudes I'm getting stronger I'm leveling up um without all of the extra baggage I think that turn-based combat can come with especially random battles like I think even the most hardcore of hardcore JRPG turn-based combat style people are like, yeah, but I'd love to turn off random battles and just fight enemies when I want because, I mean, we've all been tackled by a thousand Zubats just trying to get from one town to the other in Pokemon, right? So basically, um, by the end of the game, Mario and Luigi will have gotten their Navi, they'll get out of Bowser, there's a big fun finale... Um, you fight a bunch of cool bosses. It it really is just like tied up so nicely with a bow, this like weird and wonderful story. Um, and it's relatively short. It's maybe under 20 hours. You could probably do it in like 12 to 15 um, hours. But it's just such a neat, it's such a neat and cool example of, of the developers taking ideas that are already in the space and saying, how can we make them more creative and weird? Even Mario and Luigi, like I said, being an extension of the concept, 
what if Mario was in turn-based battles? And then it was, what if Mario and Luigi were in turn-based battles and you could control them separately? And what if you could potentially take no damage at all and you had a ton of agency in battles to dodge and counterattack enemies? And what if now, instead of Mario and Luigi, you're controlling Baby Mario and Baby Luigi? And then finally, what if you were controlling Wario and Luigi and Bowser, but Bowser accidentally inhaled them, and now they're walking throughout his sentient body, and he doesn't even know it, but he's powering... <laughs> they're powering him up so that he can do gigantic Bowser battles and do all sorts of other cool things and seamlessly travel through the world and somehow have this coalescing adventure that ends in madness. It's just great. Like, how did I miss it? How did we all collectively miss this game and no one was talking about it? Um, and you go back and play it now and you're like, wow, this game aged really well. And by the way, I don't know how I didn't say this up top, but this game looks so ridiculously good. Like, the pixel art in this game is phenomenal. Like, maybe the best looking pixel art game I've ever played certainly one of the best I've ever played on the DS. Like, it's got to be top three best-looking games of all time. Like, all of the characters look super expressive, and they put so much detail into every little thing. Like, it really goes to show that pixel art not only ages super well, but I think just still continues to have a great place in uh, the gaming space. Um, but yeah, they knocked it out of the park. I would say, A... If you've never played it, you should you should go play it. Especially because it's probably still relatively cheap right now, and a lot of DS games are not cheap. They're getting like expensive really quick because the DS is becoming retro. Doesn't that make you feel old? The DS is getting retro. Um, but I think especially if you've never really played turn-based games uh, or other JRPG-style games and you want to give them a shot, I feel like this game is a really, really great um, first look at them, or any of the Mario and Luigi games, um, for that matter. Really, really phenomenal games. I'm glad I got to talk about it because, I mean, A, no one's talking about it, but B, it's just such a, a weird offshoot that is like, a, it's a total enigma in every single way. Like, I've never played a game like this. Um, Trevor might get around to it someday. Trevor, if you have listened to this, you should have paused it earlier and not got this far. Um, but maybe someday we can hear your thoughts on it as well. Um, that would be super cool. But uh, yeah, I'd love for people to get into the Mario RPG franchise. Um, they're really, really super stellar games. They're great games for people who don't really play turn-based games. And there's just there's so much creativity happening um, with the developers being like, what if we took... We took this thing and we made it like Mario. I've already said that a million times. But, you know, it's really creative. Uh, it's good stuff. So, um, Bowser's Inside Story. Let me check my notes, see if there's anything I missed that I really wanted to talk about. Um, a ton of variety. Stunning pixel art. Jumping on baddies with Bowser. Did I talk about beating up baddies with Bowser? You know what? I think I did. Probably in like minute two of uh, discussing the game. Can't recommend them enough. Uh, my name's Andy. This has been our little Hans solo pod of 
Bowser's Inside Story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something about the Mario RPG franchise. Maybe you're interested and you want to go uh, learn more or try one of the older titles or uh, I don't know. Next week, hopefully, God willing, um, we'll be doing our part two of Skyrim and uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild with Trevor. Please send him well wishes. Um, we're hoping he's feeling better. It's been really uh, bad timing. He literally texted me today and was like, I, I think I can't, I think I'm going to die. I got food poisoning. So it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> Feel better. We'll talk more about games later. We have time to do it. Um, so thank you for listening. This has been... Baby has been got... Been getting back... It's... Um, log.